0: About all these athletes, actually, haphazardly is not one part of the strategy. Go development, it's all we develop in a wealth of intelligence.
1: Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships, basking it in, let's study in the conferences. Pack 12 and big, 12 in the 10, SEC, ACC, win, 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 win. It just kind of fades from there, that's good. Yeah, they said like a minute, so but there's more. Don't forget about the Mountain West. The Magnet can flex. Someone is next. Ivy League fresh. Literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. It's too much.
0: I'm done. I'm gone this time.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. This is Debbie Emanuel, episode 44. We are a source of knowledge for you for Debbie. Football, college to campus. got it. every week I fuck that up. I swear to God. (laughs) I say college to Canton or campus to Canton 650 times in the course of a week, and I get on this goddamn podcast and I can't fucking say it. Listen,
1: Um, uh, college to Canton was actually what the original one was called, so you can call it that and it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> I was in the original one. It's good. It's cool. So Either one.
2: anyways, <laughs> I will probably edit that out. I I don't know. We're not against swearing, but I've never, I don't think I've ever swore seven times in the span of a minute on the podcast. <laughs> um, so anyways, so it's co- college campus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we talk about college football players. Damn it. All right. First up, I'm introduced by co-host Joseph Demore. How you doing, Joseph? I'm
0: good, Dwight. How about you?
2: As long as you don't need me to say Campus to Canton anymore, we'll be good. With the release of the Debbie Watch this week, I wanted to get another person from Debbie Watch on here. I think last week we pretty much blew sunshine up Jason's ass for a whole hour. So this week we get to do it with Clayton. So this is Clayton Stefan. Stefan. God dang it, I even said it right before the show. Anyway, no, Clayton, good. how you doing, bud?
1: I'm doing great, fellas. How are y'all tonight?
2: Good, we're happy to be on here talking with you about this because it's... Uh, I have I've been diving into it slowly. Um the the new editions are amazing with like the dominator ratings and all that stuff. It's it's fun to see that incorporated. So it, it's it's a really good addition. But in your um Twitter thing here, it says you're one OG. So how long have you been with the Devi Watt?
1: Yeah, OG, you know, original gangster. I just always like that phrase. Since uh its origin really, you know, back in the day, uh LJ Lawrence Cheney, he came to me. He uh and Brad and Cody and Jason, I think, and Greg had all kind of come up with this uh, plan. But I think LJ and Brad were really two of the main, uh, you know, masterminds behind the whole thing. And he reached out to me and said, hey, we're going to be starting something big in a couple of months. Um, I want you on board. I'm just letting you know that for now. I kept it all secretive. It was great. But uh, we, um, you know, got, I got filled in on the details and joined the crew and we made our first uh debbie watch back in 2016 our first publication the rest is history man
2: trying to think i think 2018 or so is probably when i bought my first one maybe 17 so just get it every year i love it so just a good you know good source it's like nice like nice to have like a bible almost is kind of what i it's like my debbie bible i look right. at my stuff i have my writing you know and i like to see what you guys think too so what is your favorite part about doing it like what, what did do you do you really enjoy the most when you dive in
1: enjoy really the whole process um the time consuming part maybe not as much honestly uh you know when you get to scout players while they're they're super young coming out of high school or they're early on they just had their freshman year and you get to draft them onto your debbie teams track their development and then you almost like form an attachment or a bond with these players i know it sounds strange or crazy but i know i know you guys understand where i'm coming from play, having played in so many debbie leagues and it's really great uh you know you, you get invested in in them and them as players and people and their careers as well and that's kind of one of my favorite parts about it
2: yeah me too man it's just it makes it so much different like it's it's nice to not you know when it comes this time of year and you get everybody's hype in the rookies you're like oh hell i've already had this guy for three years you know it's like so it's kind of nice to have you know to see the flower grow so to speak
0: (laughs) it's just like a natural progression of the fantasy football player like people generally start with redraft and start rooting for the players that they have on their teams and then if you're a real degenerate then you graduate to dynasty where you can keep those players forever if you want to. And then the longer you play dynasty and get used to the redraft or the, uh, the rookie draft portion of the calendar year, then you're like, Oh, what happens if I research (laughs) these players and then drafted them while they were in college, like that would be cool. And then you get even deeper and you realize that college to Canton or campus to Canton leagues are a thing where you can have these players throughout their college careers and actually have them score points on a whole separate fantasy team. And then when they reach the NFL, then they go to your dynasty team. And it's like, how much further down the rabbit hole can you get? But it's like, if you really enjoy this passion and this hobby, like there's nothing better than Devi and like campus to Canton leagues. They're just so much fun. So it's funny how like one thing just slowly leads to the next and I've just gotten further and further down the rabbit hole the longer I've been playing this thing.
2: I watched Huddle for about three hours today, so that, that's how <laughs> you can go down the rabbit hole. Uh, I, I was, like, spacing out watching college or high school football games. I'm like, man, I, I may have a problem. But uh, <laughs> speaking of problems, Clayton, how many leagues you in, bud?
1: Not as many as others out there. I think I'm in, like, <laughs> like around 13 or so dynasty leagues, which is honestly where... I, where I like to cap it at, I, I really, I got sucked into a, I mean, I'm currently in a live campus to Canton draft right now. I'll have to pull pull that up and see see what's going on. But um, I think we're about 15 rounds in on the college side of that. And, uh, yeah, 13 Dynasty Leagues, maybe like seven of those are Debbie Leagues. And then I think this will be my third um, college to Canton or campus to Canton, whichever way you prefer, uh, league is going on right now. I'm actually co-managing it. Uh, which is interesting because i definitely don't have some of the um players that i would have gone with because you gotta you know come to compromise with your with your co-owner and co-manager um but i think it's helped us make for a really nice balanced team so far
0: i've tried the co-managing experience once and i just had a hard time with it like i like running my teams the way i like running my teams doesn't mean it's right or wrong i just I think there's definitely a benefit in running a team with someone else just to gain another perspective. And I tend, I've I've gotten better at this over the years, but I, when I first started playing dynasty, I was just super impulsive. And if I wanted to make a trade, I would make a trade, whether it was good or bad for my team. And I made a lot of great teams like that. And I absolutely torched some of my good teams by doing that. So I don't know there's pros and cons, but I I wish I was in a a campus to can draft right now. (laughs) So
2: I actually have a a team I'm searching for a co-owner was going to ask you Joseph. So maybe I won't now. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the best person for that. I haven't done it either. I'm nervous as hell to do it, but it's a league where I got into and they say we had to, and I'm like, "Um, okay, I think I can find someone. So yeah. um,
0: (laughs) So we'll see. We can talk after the show. All right.
2: (laughs) All right. Got a little bit of news this week. Uh, Joseph wanted to bring this up. Jaden Daniels reported at 195 pounds. Isn't that, that's really good. Cause he didn't look like it was a, like the frame has been one of the things that has been the biggest detractor. You know, he looked just too whitey. He looked too small. Like he wasn't going to be, you know, be able to hold up to the wear and tear of the NFL. So 195 is good news. Myself.
0: am not a Jaden Daniels fan. I wasn't a, so I'll say this. I really like Jaden Daniels. If you ignore what his body looks like, um, <laughs> But you, you can't play quarterback in the NFL at 180 pounds. And, I mean, he came in at 6'2", 157, which, like, is an absolute string bean. And he's yeah. to his credit, he's done a, a great job putting on some weight uh, throughout his college career. He's listed at, like, 6'3", 195 now, uh, up from 185 last year. So he's doing a good job putting on weight. And I think he's gonna to need to put on at least another 10 to 15, 20 pounds uh over the next couple of years if he's going to hold up at the NFL level. But I mean, he is supremely athletic. That's the first thing you notice when you watch him. Uh, I love his deep ball uh throws, has very good arm strength and has great touch on the deep ball. So I mean, in terms of general accuracy, I, I think he can be accurate. He's he has occasional lapses um, in the short and intermediate game, uh, which I don't like as much, but I think he gets rid of the ball quickly. Um, and I just think he can present problems, um, to a defense with his athleticism. So really the main reason why I had him at QB four QB five in the 2022 class is because of his frame. So if he's adding weight, um, I'm going to bump him up because that was really the main reason why I was a little bit lower on him than most.
1: Yeah, you know, I uh, over on my end, I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, Daniels, out of high school, the athleticism was what really stood out, and it is what really made him intriguing. Uh, at the same time, the size—you knew he would have to bulk up over the years. Uh, his first, his freshman season, you know, with Herm Edwards at coach, I think they kind of they kind of babyed him a little bit as well. They should have, with a true freshman starting, you know, right off the rip at, at that size. So he kind of it's almost like he was he was coddled that first year and i think that this last year um his sophomore season would in 2020 would have really been um an opportunity for him to like blow up and flourish he looked really impressive in that game against southern cal and i think that we were going to see some really uh, awesome numbers come out of him with um some of the exciting playmakers he's got in that offense and in the backfield this this past year unfortunately we didn't get to see many games out of the Pac-12 it really kind of maybe stunted a little bit of his development. I guess I probably shouldn't use the word stunted, but we didn't get to see him probably flourish as much as he would have uh, possibly been able to this past season. Um, but he, his, the athleticism is absolutely what makes him exciting. And, you know, he he, he, he can probably – the wiry frame, as you said, those wiry guys, they can still pack on muscle. So he should be able to get over the 200 mark, I would think, by the end of his college career. And that's definitely where we needed to be at a minimum. Um, for future uh, pro potential there for him.
2: Eric Gilbert is back in the transfer portal as well. It was another big kind of a shock. So I feel like probably every other podcast has dissected it to hell. So we're probably not going to say too much about it, but I'm just kind of curious. Clayton, what do, you, what do you think? Is that like a, I think it's a just a giant red flag.
1: It absolutely is a giant red flag. And, you know, let's see. It's sad, first of all, because the kid is a, a crazy talent. I guess I shouldn't use the word sad, but uh, you know, I, you heard things about academically ineligible. Uh, obviously, he didn't get in because of his academics. But people are comparing him to Doyle Green Beckham on Twitter and whatnot. Um, I heard some things. We've got uh, one of our guys over at Debbie Watch, uh, Kyle Francis, franchise KF. Everybody knows him. He has uh, you know some insider information, some sources, and let's just say I think there's more to it, um, other than academics. So. Can't go into any more detail about um, other than that. As I'm not trying to be secretive. It's just how it is. But uh, honestly, there's more red flags than just academics uh, as far as Gilbert's concerned. Hopefully, he'll land somewhere. But it's not a, a great start to um, what should have and could have been a talented, uh, wonderful, amazing college career.
2: There's even rumblings he could end up back at LSU, so it would be kind of nuts. I mean, they could definitely use him, that's for sure.
0: I think he's probably going to end up going the JUCO route. Just my guess. I have no information besides what you guys have already mentioned. It just seems like if it was strictly academic issues, he would resurface somewhere in a Power 5 program. I have no idea what's going on. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go the JUCO route. What this means, though... He's probably going to see a big value drop in Devi circles. Devi, maybe not so much. C2C leagues, I would imagine he will, uh, especially if he's ineligible this year. But he is, I mean, he was the top rated tight end in 24-7s recruiting history. He is supremely athletic, and he's 6'6", 255. So, I mean, this guy has the most upside I think I've ever seen at the tight end position in college. I mean, Kyle Pitts is up there. Vernon Davis was up there. But, I mean, Gilbert is as talented as they come as long as he can keep his head on straight. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if whoever has him in your Debbie League is open to selling, and I don't think that they would be, but this would be the time where I would be open to trying to send an offer out on him.
1: Went in the second round of that Kansas Canton League that we're going uh, that I got going on right now a lot. And, I mean – if he ends up playing for a JUCO or having to sit out for a year or two, whatever it ends up being, you're not accruing points at a junior college in, a, in, in one of those leagues. Right. So that take that, a major value hit in those leagues. And like you mentioned, in Debbie leagues, you could see a massive value drop forthcoming. And if you believe in the talent and can overlook the off the field, then, yeah, the time to pounce is going to be in the next few weeks to few months, I would say.
0: Was that draft before or after the news? It was before. Or,
1: it okay. was before that, uh, you know, ac- academics and, you know, are not going to be able to go to uh, Florida. So, yeah.
0: I'm curious how far he would have fallen. That's, yeah, it's that's interesting.
1: It's funny because I actually, we were thinking about targeting him, myself and my co-owner, and he had mentioned him. And I was like, you know, I just don't know about it with the transfer. And this was before anything came out. And I just had this feeling. I was like, I want to see and before investing that high value and that high uh, capital capital of a pick with a transfer. Like, I don't know. I just feel, I, I, I just had a gut feeling about that. And sure enough, all this stuff comes out. Feel really relieved. We ended up uh, snagging one of the guys I'm sure we'll end up um, talking about here and a little bit down the line, Kendall Milton out of Georgia.
0: Well, let's get into the running backs a little bit. I know that's, you mentioned pre-show, that's the position you kind of enjoy looking at the most, so let's get into them. If you want to start just running through a top, a few of the top 2022 guys or guys we want to, we should probably be paying a little bit more attention to, uh, feel free to kind of take the running back position however you want to, but yeah, go for it.
1: 2022, there's only one place to start, and that's Brees Hall. He was almost, um, you know, we kind of had a 1A and 1B kind of feel with Brees Hall and uh, Bijan Robinson um, ultimately ended up going with Bijan as the clear number one. Uh, but we were really close to having him almost as a 1A and 1B for the overall number one player in the Debbie Watch 21 Guide rankings. And so Hall is going to be, you know, clear and above. Everyone loves Brees. There's not much to 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 not like about his game. I think I saw a, a Twitter picture come out the other day. Uh, it was somebody tweeted out Bijan who, and he, it was a picture of Brees, and man, he's looking yoked these days. He is huge. Um, yeah. And from a production perspective and an analytical perspective, numbers wise, I mean, the stuff that he did last year, I don't. And even the breakout his freshman year, I don't think there's going to be really any questions in that regard. Um, from a film perspective, people will nitpick on some things, but it's going to be hard not not to love him. And uh, he's easily going to be you know the top back of the 2022 class. Behind him, you got a couple a couple guys that um, you know have been gaining gaining steam. Isaiah Spiller, he was uh, drafted plenty of places last year, and he really impressed last year I kind of had some questions about his freshman year production a lot of that came verse uh, we will just call them not so good teams or programs a lot of it came against some of the more garbage non-conference competition so I had some concerns he completely dispelled those concerns this past season once they moved Ineas Smith to receiver they gave Spiller the full workload and he was dominant behind a dominant offensive line for A&M. Um, but thinking of a couple guys, though, that you're going to probably be able to draft in Debbie drafts this coming season, because in most, you know, three to five round Debbie drafts, these guys probably highly likely were not taken yet. And they have a good chance to come out here in this 2022 class. Two guys, Kevin Harris and Kyron Williams that we really like. And it's really, you know, we've got them at the three and four spots here in our uh, Debbie rankings. And, you know, they're going to be guys that you can really, really take advantage of in your Debbie drafts because they're available. That's not always the case. Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. I'm a South Carolina guy myself, and we love what we saw. Uh, uh, Dwight, you mentioned that that you like what you saw out of Kevin Harris. Don't have him ranked far away from where we got him ranked, and we're wondering what other people are missing, right?
2: Yeah, I have Kyron three and Kevin Harris four. I just think I feel like Kyron is a little more explosive, a little more. He has the big playability. Um, What I love about Kevin Harris, just his his patience was the most impressive thing. I've caught me off guard about him. He had really good good footwork. He he loves hitting people. Really tough. Yeah, I just you just you watch him. You just had to be impressed with him. And then he does have good. Speed and the ability to break away. He did have 15 breakaway runs in 2020. Led the SEC in breakaway yards. So there's always the uh, a little bit of a, a inkling there that Marshawn Lloyd might eat in a little bit to his workload, but I can't see them doing that. So like based on what you guys have at the Debbie watch, he had a 45.85 percent dominator rating last year with a 36 percent
1: market share. Just nuts. And he's. I just, mean, that's- uh, 46% of his yeah. team's total offense that he accounted for for between rushing yards and receiving yards. Absolutely. I mean, that you, you, that is worth taking serious note of. And that's one of the reasons you, you have to bump this guy up in your ranks right now. Let's see. Skip it on down. Look, look at this list that, that we've got thrown up here, y'all. I, I mean, I actually think that this 2022 class is going to be... It's certainly... Deeper, I think with, you know, potential impact players for dynasty leagues than this current 2021 class on this list, you know, they've had either had some good years this past season, or they're transferring into really favorable situations where they could really blow up this coming season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hate the 2021 class past the top few guys. I mean, there's a tier of players that I'm moderately interested in. Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, Jamar Jefferson, Chuba Hubbard, Ramondre Stevenson. I probably am leaving out one or two guys, but beyond that, there is like almost nobody that I'm interested in. I like Kylan Hill too. 2022, from an early glance, intrigues me quite a bit. One of the guys that's probably a little bit further down the ranks that I absolutely love is Sir Roderick Thompson, uh, Texas Tech. So he has feature back size already. I think he's six foot ten. and he he plays like it. Like he's a ferocious runner, very strong. I think he's pretty agile, um, great balance, and he's fast. I'm not sure how natural of a runner he is. So I think when you try and project him in terms of a pro fit, uh, you'd like him to end up with a team that has a good run blocking offensive line so he doesn't necessarily have to think so much but i think uh all of the athletic tools and the frame are there um and he's a good pass catcher he didn't really do a lot of his work downfield it it was mostly close to the line of scrimmage i i really like him there are a couple very minor off-field things i think it was like some sort of like street racing incident or something Hmm. that he had um, that doesn't really concern me long-term, but I don't know if there are other maturity things that could come into play, but Thompson is a player probably outside the top 10 in most people's rankings that I will probably be targeting if he has another strong season 2021.
1: Listen, you're in good company there because you know, the guy who has been on Sir Roderick the longest, who has a tendency to get a lot of these hits right is is Kyle Francis. So uh, you know, that that was one of his guys that he he vouched uh in Debbie Watch 2020 that said, hey, we gotta get this guy inside the top a hundred. I think we had him. And um he he highlighted the pass catching ability. Even though a lot of it is short stuff, he's definitely an excellent receiver out of the backfield and has uh you know that breakaway speed as well.
0: Yeah. And there are some players even like a little higher up that i have questions about but jerry on ely i think is a top two to three talent in the class but he's small so i don't know if he's going to add the weight if he doesn't i will probably be off him a little bit Uh, i view him pretty similarly to kenny gainwell this year uh, where he's a supremely talented pass catcher that can run inside but probably doesn't have the size to do it at on all three downs at the nfl level um so I think if Ely adds some size, uh, I will love him. Just quickly to touch on Brees Hall, since you were talking about him. I am an Iowa State fan, sort of. My, my dad went there. I don't have any strong ties. But Hall reminds me a lot of Joe Mixon without any of the off-field stuff uh, and without the durability questions that have kind of plagued Mixon in the last few years. Very smooth, uh, natural runner, um, great pass catcher. So I like Hall. Isaiah Spiller has improved a ton from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Uh, I didn't like him at all after 2019. Now I love him after 2020. He's the clear two in the class. Uh, Also really like Kyron Williams. Haven't watched a ton of Kevin Harris, but, I mean, the class, like you were saying, Clay, um, does look to have some depth right now, whereas when we were looking at it last year, the 2022 class looked gross. So I'm a little excited about some of these guys.
1: Absolutely, Joseph. Absolutely. Uh, One more. uh, uh, We could probably go all day, honestly, or all night (laughs) on these guys. One more. Well, first of all, I'm a huge Jerome Ford homer. Any guy that I covered coming out of high school on the Debbie Watch, I got mad love for. Let me put it that way. Especially these guys.
2: I had crazy high hopes for him this, this last year. And you saw just little
1: tiny flashes of it. Like, why the hell
2: is Cincinnati not giving him the damn ball?
1: Glimpses. Give, feed that man. So uh, he's going to have the full workload in Cincinnati this coming season. Just drafted him on the C2C team as well. Jerome Ford had to get my boy. But also, another guy that we uh, drafted. I covered this guy on the inaugural. Uh, I think it was the inaugural. Maybe it was the second season. It was probably the second season that we did the publication. Um, that's what it was. Uh, Brian Robinson out of Alabama you know this man has been patiently waiting his turn but he is a a mean mean man and people are going to be like where the hell did this guy come from this coming season you know outside of the traditional uh, you know Debbie nuts like us that that know all about him already but people uh, on the mainstream scene are kind of going to be like you know where the hell did Brian Robinson come from because he's been buried behind Najee and Josh Jacobs and He's a supremely talented kid in his own right. Uh, I had a glowing write-up for him. He's a really, really, really underrated pass catcher, which we haven't uh, been able to see highlighted. But, I mean, he can even do stuff downfield. And just, you want to talk about play strength and, and contact strength and contact balance, Robinson has it for days. So I, I think that he's going to split the backfield, obviously, with Jason McClellan because he's supremely talented in his own right. But, listen, a a. Blow up senior season for Brian Robinson could absolutely be on tap, and I know we don't like those older, uh, you know, senior running backs necessarily for dynasty. You know, Robinson's one that we could overlook because he he could really uh, just show out in a huge way and and, and vault into some day two draft capital.
0: Brian Robinson's been in college for like eight years, and you can't tell totally me <laughs> otherwise.
1: <laughs> it's only four. He's going to be a senior.
2: I swear. I know. So is that way. In, in, in the Debbie Watch War Room, I'm just curious, is that why you guys have Trey Sanders so low? Because I mean, I think he was like 24. I was kind of kind of
1: shocked. Buried right he's now. A yeah, he's a, he's listen, a tough one. Yeah, he's a tough one. Listen, there, it's going to be a 50 50 split between Brian Robinson and Jay McClellan as far as, you know, when they're in relatively competitive situations for Bama next season. Uh, and whoever's at running back, I mean, with Bryce Young at quarterback, drawing the defense's eyes. Uh, Naji is absolutely amazing. Don't get me wrong, but we all know that he doesn't quite have the breakaway speed. Listen, I'm pretty confident that Brian Robinson and Jace McClellan are both faster than Naji. They are going to be some explosive running plays in the uh, Alabama run game this coming season with Bryce Young drawing the defense's attention.
2: One more guy I wanted to talk about, just because you mentioned him in our in our chat throughout the week, is Sincere McCormick, who I think just does not get enough press and someone who could. No, I did a couple game tapes of him this last season, was just thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Tell me what you saw when you saw Sincere, because I'm kind of curious.
1: Absolutely. So tasked with covering the we we all you know split up and do different conferences and divisions of conferences for the Debbie Watch. And tasked with covering the illustrious Conference USA, you know, I still had to pour through all these players for these conference USA teams. And much to my delight last season you know there was somebody who did pop off uh, a couple of players but it, one in particular that was his tier McCormick no doubt uh, as a true freshman, I'm pretty sure he accounted for one third of his team's offense and just fed the man as a, as a true freshman and he was the featured the focal point of this offense this past season in 2020. He was, what, second in the nation in rushing yards behind Brees Hall? He was right there, top three in basically every rushing category. Um, You know, one of the most productive runners in the entire country for UTSA, I did not mention. You know, he's 5'9", 200. He's got a very, very stocky build, low center of gravity for McCormick. Um, He'll be a rising junior this coming year. He uh, has excellent initial burst, that low center of gravity, like like I mentioned, gives him wonderful contact balance. Uh, You know, he can easily take hits and just uh, bounce off defenders and keep on moving. One of the things I really liked about McCormick when evaluating him last year and this year was his vision and patience behind the line of scrimmage. He can kind of uh, take his time to pick out the hole. And once he – I think uh, almost like a knife – you know three creases was a good way of of just, uh, how I can describe his uh, running style McCormick does not have elite breakaway speed that's probably the biggest knock on his game along with his uh you know his frame kind of limits the the size that he can get to with only uh, only being 59 you know he's probably not going to be able to get up to the 215 pounds or 220 pounds that we'd like um I kind of Compared his play style a little bit to like a less flashy version of David Montgomery because he does have that good contact balance far as a small school aspect of McCormick's game I compared him a little bit to um, James Robinson as far as being an uber productive back that the NFL will hopefully take notice of I mentioned that with um, you know Robinson's breakout year this past season in the NFL it may cause NFL evaluators to dive a little deeper into some of these small school guys that were uber productive. And that's really what you need to be to make, to have a chance the NFL out of these small schools is that you have to be a mega producer. And so far McCormick has showed us that he can do that. So he's definitely got a chance to sneak in there with some day two draft capital. Uh, But it, you know, it's still, the University of Texas at San Antonio where he's coming from. So you've got to factor in 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 that bias that the NFL evaluators will probably have. And, and all in all, he may still end up being a day three pick.
2: I, I like I like your notes a lot. Those are the things I he's just a guy you want to root for too. I like what I like the Roadrunner
1: logo too. I, I love fun. the Roadrunner. Roadrunner's <laughs> great listen, a... listen, by the Debbie watch there is a the Debbie watch guy because there is another UTSA player that I love that I covered that's nice. in that is uh, also in the guide
2: I haven't got that far yet I'm I'm still digesting <laughs> so <laughs> all right so we we talked about how good this class is compared to the 2021 2023 is right now it looks like probably the best class that I can remember in a, quite some time, like it is incredibly good. I think there's like, you get six or seven guys that could make legitimate chances to being like, legitimate shot at being like RB1s. Like they're, the 2023 guys are awesome. You guys have Bijan John Robinson as the overall number one. I think that's a lot of places have him as the overall number one. But then you throw in guys like Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby, Kendall Milton, who hasn't even really seen the field hardly yet. Jace McClellan, like you said, Butcher this poor guy's name, Diamante Treyanum, I think is how you pronounce it. And then Zach Evans is was one of the most highly ranked. If he, I think he actually was the highest ranked running back in this class before all his weird flip <laughs> flip flopping that he did and all that. And then you still got Marshawn Lloyd, Jalen Ber- Jalen Berger. I mean, it's this class just goes. It's got a lot of talent up there at the top. Joseph, who do you got as your top? Is it Bijan or?
0: It's Bijan in a runaway. I, I'm a huge Tank Bigsby fan. Also, really love Jameer Gibbs, but I think it's impossible to have anyone other than Bijan number one right now. I think the 2023 class is going to rival the 2017 running back class. I'll I'll just leave that there. I, I think it's you have five or six truly special talents, and then four or five guys below the top five or six that could also end up being really really talented runners. Um, there's just whatever style you prefer in a running back like this class has it you have your six foot 225 pound bell cows that can catch the ball you have your smaller guys with elite burst and athleticism you have your bigger backs um with good power like chip tray in them you got like a darren sproles clone in Deuce vaughn like this class has everything so i mean the 2023 wide receivers are also like very intriguing to me. Um, I just think we just talked about how the 2022 class, um, the depth at running back might be better than the depth in the 2021 class, but wherever I can trade 2022 picks for 2023 picks, I'm doing it every single time I'm pivoting a year out. Even if I have to, like usually when I trade a year further out, I'd like to get something on top. I would just flip them one for one right now. Cause I'm stockpiling those picks wherever I can get them.
1: Listen, I was doing the same thing for the 2020, 2020 class, which I loved. You mentioned 2017, which was amazing. But 2020 is one of my personal favorites because really that was one of the first ones where we got to cover the guys all the way through from where I started in the industry um, as far as you know, watching these guys out of high school and seeing them finally come and become day one and day two picks. And well I guess they were all pretty much second rounders. 2023, like you mentioned, amazing and I really think that you're gonna want to load up on these picks in Dynasty the best way you can. I had this one draft I just talk about 2020 class where I think I had like four or five out of the first seven picks of the 2020 class in a Dynasty League. and it was so great. just be able to pluck yep, Jonathan Taylor, yep. DeAndre Swift, yeah, Cam Akers, Cam Akers, come on down. You know, take all these guys that you love, that you know are going to be studs. You you could, you could tell it. I mean, it, it is – you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that, that, that this class has some special, special talent, and you're going to want to stockpile these picks as well to just be able to reload your running back core in Dynasty League. So get it done <laughs> – Get get your twenty twenty three guys. As far as specific guys, the only guy out of the uh, top end tier here that I covered on Debbie Watch twenty one was uh, Jameer Gibbs. Can I mentioned ACC Coastal. There's not a lot of elite talent there outside of UNC and maybe a little bit uh, in Miami the past couple of years. But Georgia Tech finally got one this year, and and boy did they ever! Uh, Gibbs was uh, a guy that Brad McDaniel covered out of high school last season for the Debbie Watch, and I got the chance to dive in real deep this year and and watch him in several, several, several games. I think that he did not grade out that well as far as pass protection for PFF, but I actually was really impressed for a true freshman with Jameer Gibbs' pass protection. And listen, listen, I only bring that up first and foremost because you're talking about like an 18, 19-year-old kid. I guess he's like 18. He's, he's really young, um, who is already like the awareness that he showed to be able to, you know, keep his eyes up and, uh, you know, perceive oncoming pass rushers from different angles was really impressive to me as a true freshman. He is absolutely a guy that is going to play on every third down for the rest of his career in college and in the NFL. Some people are not going to be thrilled with the fact that they're going to continue to want to use jordan mason a little bit uh because that's just what georgia tech's going to want to do and they probably won't give jameer gibbs the full full workload next season i would really love to see that he'll definitely get his because uh he he is he is a special special kind of kid i could go into traits all day with Gibbs, he has all kinds of, uh, you know, acceleration. It, smooth is the best word to describe his game because the build-up speed and acceleration and the, everything he does is smooth. The way he catches passes is extremely nonchalant, and, and it's like it, it's not in, he's not even trying. It's super smooth. He's kind of, uh, you know, a, like an Alvin Kamara plus in that way a little bit. I know that's high praise, but uh, he's going to be able to run between the tackles um, a lot better than uh, a Kamara can, but he also looks extremely comfortable as a pass catcher. And I, mean, I think I threw, in one of the games where I was watching, I was like, all right, I just got to throw this up. I think I threw a Twitter clip up on, on my Twitter account where Gibbs just trucked over that, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, but they were playing against Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, and that linebacker safety hybrid that Notre Dame got coming out of the draft this year.
2: Owusu Koromoa. Yeah.
1: There you go. There you go. Better better than what I could do. Um Gibb sent him on his butt and, and fell forward. And I was like, Ooh, he can he can get it done too. But listen, you mentioned Bajan as the top. He's easily the top for me as well. Bigsby, I don't know how you know how you don't love what, what Tank Bigsby did as a true freshman. And the one guy that's probably gonna be some dynasty evaluators and football evaluators, uh, whenever he's coming out, we'll say, we'll say uh, the analytics guys may not love Kendall Milton's um, analytical profile by the time he ends up coming out of college because Georgia, just they can't help themselves but rotate their backs heavily. They cannot help themselves. And they have so many of them in their defense that are extremely talented. So he's not going to have an early kind of breakout age. Uh, but you want to talk about talent? Uh, he, he. I think he, you know, he's easily already the most talented running back in that backfield with a couple of other four, five-star backs, basically. Uh, so, so we really love him, and and we could go on and on for days. Um, you mentioned trip T- training. I'll mention Zach Evans because Evans, uh, out of TCU, he was a five-star guy that we kind of had rated really lowly because of some off the field question marks last year he transferred or not transferred but he like decommitted and committed multiple times his his recruitment cycle was a mess um coming out of high school but you're talking about what most people had is like the number one or number two guy almost for for a long time in that recruiting class um coming out of high school and so one thing I wanted to mention about Evans, I think his freshman year would have been even more impressive, but he dealt with some COVID circumstances for TCU and they really wanted to ease him back, ease him into action. Uh, So he really kind of only got a handful of carries here and there, but once you finally got to see him on the field, he looks very natural and fluid uh, as, as a runner. And I think as a pass catcher, and I think just as a player, I think he's a baller. So um we we got plenty of guys to 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 talk about, and uh, I don't know, Dwight, if you want to have any any take on that, or or yourself, yeah. Joseph.
2: Honestly, really curious what you think of the number three run, the number three recruited running back in the class was Demarcus Bowman, who started out at Clemson and now he's in Florida, and he is he was a beast in high school. So I, I was I don't I still don't quite understand why the hell he left because it would be all his backfield this year, but.
1: It's a That's fair sure. question. Uh, you know, Bowman, basically a five-star guy, and he, uh, being a, a Clemson grad and a huge Clemson fan, I was all about some departures Bowman because you could just picture him doing the same thing that Travis Etienne does. You don't have to necessarily have the most lateral quickness or agility to flourish in the Clemson system where we we do a lot of zone read stuff, but we do... The read option zone read stuff where we're also pulling guards and we're pulling guards and tackles and just blowing holes open against inferior ACC offense or ACC defenses. And if you have the home run speed, you're going to be able to bust out some long runs. And I, I foresaw Bowman fitting perfectly in there. But, you know, I think that he just did not end up feeling comfortable outside of his home state of Florida. He never got settled at Clemson. I don't know. I don't necessarily think it was a football thing. Um, it might have just been, from what I kind of gleaned from some of the Clemson insiders, was it was more of like a homesickness slash didn't fit in, didn't as well type of thing from Bowman. Maybe wasn't happy necessarily with not getting some some immediate playing time, which you behind Etienne. But, you know, nevertheless didn't really step foot on the field much for Clemson this past year, and I think he's going to do really well at Florida because Dan Mullen is so good at getting his players in space. You saw what he did with Darius Toney this year. I think we probably have him ranked too low. Who knows? Uh, you know, Volume 2, we adjust some ranks, so uh, you might see a little change there based on some of the um, spring camp reports, and that's what Volume 2 is for. We still like the talent on Bowman. He is a he is a bit undersized, but he definitely has that home run speed, and that uh, will absolutely be a productive college player as long as he can get on the field.
2: Joseph, you got anything to add on these guys? And you know, there, there's still there's some guys down on this list like Chris Tyree and Kevon Lee looked pretty good last year too for Penn State. I mean, there's you go down this list, and there's guys in the fifteen to twenty range. You know that it's a very let, very deep deep class.
1: Let me get this on the record real quick, and I'll let Joseph take over. Kayvon Lee wouldn't have made the Debbie watch. It was up to me. <laughs> I, I, am, I am out. There is, there, he ain't, ain't made it. Listen, he had to have every single thing go right for him this past year. You had to have Journey Brown never play football again or, or whatnot, or at least yeah, whatever happened with Journey. And then you had to have Noah Kane go down with injury. And then you had to have Ford, Devin Ford, he went down downward. with injury, and then Kayvon Lee, fourth, saw action, and he <laughs> looked all right, but it's not like he he necessarily earned the playing time. He was thrust into this action, and there is a very um, noticeable lack of, of, of burst and long speed, in my opinion, on him, and I've already placed money down via uh, personal bets on um, whether or not Kayvon Lee will get drafted into the NFL. And my take is that he will not. So I'll just leave it at that. But Joseph, go on and take over about Bowman or anyone else. Sorry for cutting you off there.
0: This class is, it's so much fun. I really like Deuce Vaughn for what he is, but like that dude is absolutely tiny. So there are (laughs) some guys that you guys have ranked a little bit behind him that I would probably put above him just because I shoot for upside. If I miss, I miss. Uh, I think uh, Vaughn will make the league for sure because there's always going to be a role for small pass catchers like him. Like, personally, I would have Bowman ranked a little bit higher just because of perceived upside. I mean, he's also undersized, but he's not so small that I don't know. Deuce Vaughn is like Tariq Cohen small.
1: Right. I, I so. feel the same way about uh, Chris Tyree as well. Like, he's undersized, but right. he's not like Deuce Vaughn small
0: yeah and so
1: he should probably be bumped up higher in my opinion
0: yeah so clay i mean you did a you did a great job talking through some of the top guys in this class so to touch on a few guys a little further down i don't have a ton of notes on frank gore jr but i pray that frank gore senior kicks around for like two to three more years just so they can play in the league at the, same time. <laughs> like, at the running back position that that would be awesome <laughs> No, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, he keeps getting jobs and he keeps running for like three and a half yards per carry. So who knows? Um, Listen,
1: as long as Adam Gase is coaching, there can be, a, I know he's not right now, but <laughs> maybe, maybe in three years, he'll bring Frank Gore out of retirement. If Gase gets Honestly. another job.
2: <laughs> Se- senior just says, now I can finally retire. My son is here. There must always be a Frank Gore in the NFL. So, I,
0: <laughs> but the guy I actually really want to talk about is um, Devon Achain hope i'm saying that right. I've said his name four or five times and every time I've pronounced it differently. To watch what he did in the bowl game, I mean that really opened my eyes. And Texas A&M has a loaded backfield all of a sudden. Like Isaiah Spiller is the clear lead dog bringing in four or five star freshman LJ Johnson who I actually don't really like. He's rated that high for a reason. I think okay. Johnson ran a verified 442 out of high school and when i watch him he looks like a 4'7 guy, but he is playing in one of the highest conferences of football in the state of Texas, I believe, and I'm sure he's playing against better competition than 95% of the other high school players out there. But for a to be probably the number two in the AM backfield this year, it just really excites me. Um, I mean, everyone saw the highlight run that he had in their bowl game, where he showed outstanding contact balance and then tremendous burst to re-accelerate up to top speed again. Uh, I mean, it reminded me of that highlight we saw from Travis Etienne as a freshman where he, like, bounced off a guy on the sideline and then, like, instantly accelerated to full speed and just blew by all the defenders in pursuit. I mean, A-Chain is smaller than Etienne at this point. uh, A-Chain's 5'9", 185, but uh, he's fast, he's explosive, he has good contact balance, I think his agility is terrific, and he was a four-star prospect. So, he's a guy I like a lot uh that I could see slowly rising. I don't think he's going to get much of an opportunity this year with Spiller dominating touches, but 2022 and beyond, I think he'll be I think he profiles as a very solid committee member in the NFL with upside for more. And there's value in those guys. We saw plenty this year with COVID and recurring injuries. Like there were guys that hadn't played in the league in years that were resurfacing. Like Alex Collins, completely different type of back, but shows that depth matters at the running back position. And for a guy as talented and as as athletic as he is, he's someone that I think um, will be on people's radars coming up.
1: Well, let let me touch on that um, real quick uh, al- al- along the lines of Uh, a chain we're we're not going to know how to say his name whatever Devin Devin a Shane we'll call him um he's not
0: listening to this it's fine
1: that's right uh (laughs) so you mentioned five nine one eighty five, and that is one of the reasons why he's so much lower down our list is because of the size but listen it's not as big of a deal to me uh, because of a lot of the things you highlighted with his um like elite breakaway speed that he showed in that bowl game and they do have a loaded back today the and then there's no doubt Uh, but I thought when I watched him make that run and watch that game I thought he looked bigger and I I mean yeah 185 it, it, he probably is you know all of 185 because it says he's only 5'9 but he looked like his his lower body uh, size and strength. That's where all the muscle is, and I think it can even get bigger. So sometimes, listen. One of the reasons I'll put it this way: Kyle, uh, Kyle wrote up. He he is a a sizist uh, as well as an ageist, I believe. But uh, the, he's definitely a sizist, if nothing else. And one of the reasons he absolutely hates on you know he's like if you if you're not if you're not above two hundred pounds, get the fuck out. That's <laughs> that's his opinion on running back prospects. And um, so for, so he covered the SEC West. So he covered Devin Ashane. And so I'm, I'm sure that's one of the reasons he has a big knock against him. Kyle also covered um, Notre Dame. And I had to tell him that just because Kyron Williams is listed at this weight does not mean that Kyron Williams is this weight. Kyron Williams was listed, I believe, sub 200. I was like, boy, did you watch Ky- Kyron Williams last year? That man is not sub 200. Sure enough, I did a Twitter search. Kyron Williams said he weighed in, I don't know, it was like 208 to 213 at the time or something. I'm like, he is not like 195 that he's listed out or whatever anymore. Just because they didn't update his weight. Like you can see guys on tape sometimes and you can tell they're bigger than what their listed weight is. And I think that Ashane can be one of those guys that is going to be possibly bigger than what his listed weight is. And so I I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, and I think that it's going to be uh, a fun team to watch in AM, especially with uh, some of the talent they got with, I know y'all mentioned uh, Demas uh, on the last podcast with Jason as well. And um, I, I, I love Haynes King and some of the things that he could do with his versatility at the quarterback position. So a is going to be a, uh, they're gonna they're gonna put up points and they're gonna be a fun team to watch and competitive in the SEC West. Boy, the SEC West is much much excuse me, must watch television with Lane Kiffin and uh your boy at, at Mississippi State help me out here. Mike Leach. Rich, Mike that, yeah. That it's just it, it, there's gonna be shootouts galore because their teams, they don't really play defense either. So uh, you're going to have these AM's LSU's putting up buku points along with, of course, Bama and whatnot against these, um, you know, the Ole Misses and the Mississippi State's of the world. And it's going to be a lot of fun. AM's going to be one of those teams that I think as good and solid as Kellen Mond was, I think that they can be, like, a more explosive offense perhaps in the coming years um, with some of the talent, elite talent that they have. Uh, real quickly, also, you mentioned Frank Gore Jr., and we talked, we chuckled about that uh, with his dad, which would be absolutely great. I covered Frank Gore Jr. this past season uh, for Debbie Watch 21, and I was not a Frank Gore Jr. fan coming out of um, no. high school. And we mentioned these smallbacks, and he is as small as it comes. He is even smaller than Devin and Shane. He is listed at 5, 8, 165. And Unlike a like, I think that Frank Gore Jr. might actually be 5'8", sixty-five. He might actually be closer to the 170, 175 range. But I came away much more impressed after watching several of his freshman games, like the full games. He has all the nuance that you would expect out of a gore. Uh, you know, the, the, the vision, the contact balance, the strength through contact, the fluid elusiveness, you know, not quick start, stop, lateral agility, but just the ability to, to subtly, you know, dip your hips and, and evade defenders, you know, have them only get arms on you or just bounce off contact. And I was really, really impressed with, with what he was able to put on tape. He's going to have some massive games over the next coming seasons. I some of the conference USA competition that they, that they'll face there at Southern miss. And he's, he, he got a good run this past year, you know, 700-plus uh, r- r- rushing yards. Uh, he had a 21% of the, uh, of the market share of the team offense. But I think that uh, Frank Gore Jr. is absolutely going to be a guy that you're going to want to look at in college football fantasy leagues as well as campus to Canton leagues, even if he doesn't necessarily have a, the brightest NFL future because of, you know, he learned everything he's got from his dad. And it, he, the, the, the nuance and, and, and knowledge that he plays the game with is it, it, some of that sublime ability that, that not every running back has. And so I came away really impressed. And he had a really great run, run grade from PFF as well. He was, I think, 18th out of 166 qualifiers at the running back position um, in run grade in, in the entire country which just says something even at that small of a size of how uh, kind of effective and efficient he was still able to be. So don't let the size completely knock you off of Frank Gore Jr. in campus to Canton leagues. If he's able to bulk up, he could potentially be a Debbie asset worth rostering in in Debbie leagues. And I know I ranted about him enough. So uh, Dwight, let's go back to you and um, see what else we've got on top tonight.
2: Joseph, you had you had unmuted Did you, anything you wanted to add or
0: I mean, so we talked about it a bit last week with uh, Marvin Harrison, Jr. There is absolutely something to these guys playing the same position as their parents and learning some of the ins and outs of technique, nuance, all kinds of stuff like Marvin Harrison, Jr. We talked about how he's not the most athletic guy, but has the technique down already. And it matters at a school like Ohio State where he's not going to see the field, that he already knows how to play the position and understand uh, all kinds of stuff that a more athletic guy with less refinement probably might not. And at a school where you're buried, that matters. Frank Gore Jr., I mean, he's tiny, like you mentioned, but, I mean, he's a very impressive pure runner. So he needs to add a lot of weight to really make it but um, he's a he's a great back. And, I mean, you were talking about a chain size. First of all, Kyron Williams is every bit of 210. Like, that dude is rocked up. He's most certainly added weight since whenever he weighed in last spring, uh, for sure. Like, not a doubt in my mind. But A-Chain, like, as someone who personally is, like, all legs, I can mm-hmm. confirm that it is very possible to add 30 pounds of weight whether it's good weight or bad weight, you can do it. So, I mean, I I think he could definitely get to 200 plus. I don't know how I'm hoping he would be able to maintain his burst at that weight, but I certainly think he can get there. There are other guys that I just, I don't think are capable of putting on that sort of size. I don't think he's one of them though. I think he could uh but yeah i mean there are so many guys in this class that are fun don cheney jr jalen knighton um blake Corum, even like i players that go to michigan go there to die but Corum, i really like
1: speaking of all these legacies you've, you've got ej smith in there too uh, we were talking about franco jr and and mark jr and you got
0: Emmett Jr.
1: in there at Stanford. Austin Jones obviously took the reins this this past season and he probably will likely still have it. But, you know, you already know that EJ is going to have some of that nuance and he should be able to at least hit the field and and get some production in this, this coming year. And um, we'll, we'll see what he can do. His pass catching looks honestly really impressive and maybe even a little bit better than, than, than that in that department, obviously probably doesn't have as good of other traits, but, um, He's somebody that I still have high hopes for, too.
0: I thought Smith was going to go in and start from day one. Austin Jones really surprised me this year. Um, I'm actually a a pretty big fan of him. But uh, some guys we haven't even touched on, Jalen Berger, uh, Seth McGowan, Like you could go 15 players deep in this class. And I know they just had their freshman years. There's plenty of time for the shine to kind of wear off on these guys. But uh, if I were drafting in a Debbie draft right now, I tend to take the guys that are going to produce sooner at the NFL level, assuming it's not a campus to Canton league. I would want the production sooner. But this year, I am taking the 2023 guys over the 2022 guys all day. And there's just, I mentioned this earlier, but there's players of every single archetype in this class. So I just think it's a lot of fun. Also, I just wanted to mention real quick, I looked at Deuce Vaughn's listed size. He is 5'5", <laughs> five, five, 168. So <laughs> he is that's tiny. Good stuff. That's good stuff. But he, almost, he is an awesome player.
1: That's almost like right. a, a good note to wrap up on. <laughs> yep. All right. Clay, tell everybody
2: what you're doing now that Debbie Watch has dropped. Do you just sit back and chill for a couple months or –
1: Unfortunately, no, I wish, I wish that we did. You know, we have this series that we called 2020 vision last year because it was debbie watch 2020 where we um, each evaluator goes in and mentioned guys that they felt should have been ranked higher guys. they feel personally uh, should be ranked lower. Um, you know, guys that may take that may take uh, the biggest jump um, based on, or that took the biggest jump in the rankings based on project, projected projected Future production this coming season, guys that took the biggest knock from the previous year, all kinds of fun little um, detailed questions to get inside the minds of all of us over here at the Debbie Watch. Kyle has already um, released his. It, it's it's uh, a yeah, Debbie Watch XX1 is what we're calling it instead of like, uh, you know, for 21, but instead of like 2020 vision this year, it's XX1, kind of like the Super Bowl, uh, you know, Roman numerals. But, um, we'll each be releasing those parts of the series and there's going to be a couple other articles coming out on the site as well but debbiewatch.com or at debbiewatch is where you'll find all of that good stuff and uh, as well as where you i'm sure you'll be able to find us through those outlets as well the whole crew of guys so i i i appreciate it and um Listen, this was a great, great, a great chat we had, fellas. Uh the running backs are, you know, say what you want about the receivers, but the running backs are are, are where it's at and in, in my book.
2: Right. And what's your Twitter handle?
1: I, I'm I, at DW underscore
2: Clayton. That's right. All right, yeah. So I followed you for a while. I just couldn't remember what it was offhand. So thank you.
1: Joseph,
0: we get to this part every week and I talk <laughs> about how I have nothing to plug. I still have nothing to plug. So stay tuned. But you can find me on Twitter at jnamore24. I am trying to make a conscious effort to be more active on there. Um, I'll always respond if I get a DM with a question or uh, someone's in my mentions or something. But I try to stay off of it. I feel like it's becoming more and more of a cesspool with people just spewing hot takes and being rude (laughs) to others. And I will publish rankings. I mean, I publish rankings on DLF. Dynasty, Debbie, and Cornerstone. Um, and all my written work can be found there whenever I ever do it again.
2: You can find me on Twitter at FFPeoplesChamp. Uh, my work is over at The Nerds. i just just uh, working on a lot of pro- rookie profiles for 2021. Then hopefully we can dive back into more Devi stuff, which is what I love to do, and the Devi cut up, the game cutups and stuff like that. That's 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 my wheelhouse. That's what I love doing. So you can find this podcast at Devi Manual on Twitter, and we will talk to you guys next week.